Hello, hello, and welcome to the King Heroes Journey Podcast. My name is Beth Martin. Super glad to be here with you now. We're having a little bit of technical trouble in the back end, but uh, that'll give me a chance to say hi to you guys, and uh, we'll get Rockfin going as well. Going live there. I'm going to give you guys a link, and I see lots of good people in the chat already. So good. Okay, here comes the Rockfin link, so if you have any preference to jump over there, you're most welcome. And hello, Dimebar. Hola <laughs> from Spain. So good. Evans here. Good afternoon to you. Laura Pichi. Lovely to see you. Uh, Doug Halverson. No matter what you do to me, I'm still going to rise above it. Yep. Amen. That's that's great. Spoken like a true king hero. That is. And uh, Glenn Jay is here. Tammy Rogers. Tommy Rogers. I always call you Tammy Rogers. So forgive me. I always see Tammy. <laughs> And Peppermint Patty is here. I think I know who that is. Oh, no, I thought that was Sane Lady, but that's maybe a different one. Excellent. Glad you're here, Sane Lady. This is going to be really beautiful. I just had a, a great chat with Brett. He is uh, just setting up on a different instrument. It turns out that you cannot do this from an iPad. iPads have limitations. Sometimes there's things you can only do on an iPad. And... Um, Shout out to David McDonald, by the way, on Rockfin, who sent me a tip last time. I don't know if, uh, if I can reach him any other way. They just send me an email with nothing and no way to say thank you. So I just wanted to say that. And how are you guys doing? Are you excited about talking about law today? We've got some really good subjects that Brett is uh, versed in. The, um, the Bible is a big one. So that's really his foundation for everything that he does. Uh, we're going to talk about how to hold public officials um, accountable to their crimes. And we're going to talk about how to best have somebody help you in law. What do you, how do you need to prepare for that? I think this is going to be really valuable for people because, you know, it's really easy to put up your hand and like, oh, they refuse me because my daughter, you know, didn't have to wear a mask, but I had to wear a mask and then I didn't, couldn't go in with my daughter. And, you know, so how do you, how do you approach someone like Brett or Randy Kelton or Alphonse Fasciolo or all those guys that are heroically helping others? How can you help them to help you? So I thought this would be an amazing topic for today. And um, good to see you. Ray Fang is here and dust off and you're here to learn. And my pleasure for bringing him, in, him on. Uh, big shout out to Trust Number One on the Choose Freedom Law Summit, which if you haven't checked into that, you definitely should. We have an interview coming up with Amanda Ridding, Rebecca Shepard and Jane Scarf. We're going to be interviewing them probably for uh, way more than two hours, and we might cut it up into some segments after the fact. But with the three of them on there doing a, a you know really good busting of the charter and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff that they're helping people in Canada with as well. So do tune in with that. There's a link below for the Choose Freedom Law Summit. There's more than 30 interviews that Matt Beller and I did there, and we're adding to that collection now. Hello, A. Nice to see you from England. Glad you're here. And uh, you know, where the lady would look into her mirror thing and call out everybody's name. Yeah. Oh, Romper Room. <laughs> Romper Room. Did anyone not grow up on Romper Room and all kinds of crazy programming TV? That would be me. Uh, we're going to talk today about records requests, how to make them, um, you know, in, in uh, when, when you do it inside the court case or outside different tactics. 
We're going to talk about distinctions that people tend to conflate, the difference between a variety of charging instruments, for example, notice to appear and summons. Uh, this will be a very fine point, the difference between them versus you and you versus them. That's really a fine point that I uh, definitely could never have even dreamt up a question for, so I'm glad we chatted in advance. We're going to talk about digital records, how to actually navigate, because when you have more than one person or more than one case, then you definitely need to be able to track changes. I know when we did a notice and we were working with um, a whole variety of people at one time, it turned out just four of us in the end, but I, I probably have 75 versions of the same document and they had to go to 12 respondents and had to all be totally, you know, uh, individuated by the, the um, uh, registered mail numbers, right? So it's, it's not a little thing to, to stay organized. <clears throat> Definitely not my favorite part of it. <clears throat> We're going to talk about how to do good discovery, how to get to discovery quicker. Um, a few general things about, you know, going on the offense in law and the naive assumption that just because something you've, you've found where they are committing a crime, that's, that somehow gets you out of what you've been accused of also. So you have to address both. We'll talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about what it's like to help people on the radio. And, you know, it's sort of like a uh, dear Abby, tell tell you they they tell you the sad sad story, and then you troubleshoot for them and give them advice on on you know on the fly. But that's not taking away from anything at all. It's uh, they're obviously helping people a lot with that form. If you're not familiar with it, Rule of Law Radio, it's a really good one to tune into. Uh, we're definitely going to approach the spiritual subjects, which is his uh, motivation to be part of all of this at all to help people. And, um, and then it, uh, it really hinged on Isaiah 17, learn to do good, seek justice, re uh, reprove the oppressor. I still have to look up reprove, uh, defend the fatherless, plead for the um, cause of the widow is the foundation. And he shared some additional beautiful verses with me that I realize now I just need to put onto my notes. So um feel free to oh it tried four different browsers oh weird oh that's just wrong oh boy um okay so i'm just helping brett here to troubleshoot um any way to create a temp google i don't know about you guys but there's been a whole bunch of anomalous stuff safari two crumbs firefox trying opera next um uh that's on the computer that's just weird i've never seen that okay bear with us you guys thanks for your patience i appreciate it there's so many good things to talk about ah mm-hmm um, I'm going to ask him about Brave. I mean, Brave is not, shouldn't be the browser. Darn it. <laughs> Hello, Carrie. Nice to see you. Uh, expert of bar grievances and criminal complaint. Uh, cool. So darn, but if we can't get on, how else can we do this? Roads to Rome. Possibly he could call me and you guys could hear him through the speaker. That's one possibility. 
but it won't be good sound for sure. Um, okay. I'm sorry, you guys. So hang on, go get a tea, notebook. <laughs> um, So, darn it. Hello, the Ascended One. Nice to see you. Mm. Um, I'm just going to... And you got the sirens. <laughs> All of this stuff. Oh, this is annoying for you, Bucky. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, okay. I'm going to do an experiment and just call Brett. There we go. Okay, we're going to try this. And if you guys can help me and just see if he can be heard, turn this speaker way up. So many, so many things going on here. Hello. Hello, Brett. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. So we're just experimenting here to see if uh, for some reason we might be able to do the interview this way. Can you guys in the chat let me know if you can hear Brett at all? Yeah, because we're having a little trouble here getting a, a browser to work on StreamYard. Exactly, exactly. It's true. Like, honestly, I've never seen any of this and you don't need an account for it. So um, looks like you can be heard. Excellent. Good. So we're going to go ahead and, and yeah, I can. Yeah, that's amazing. A bit soft, but he's understandable. So turn your um, mics up. No doubt. I'm going to be super loud, but um, we'll just we're just going to roll with it. How's that? OK, fantastic. <clears throat> Very good. So uh, I would like to. Uh, I probably don't need to introduce you to uh, these folks because they knew they knew you better than uh, than I did and came highly recommended. So big shout out to Trust Number One on the Choose Freedom site for introducing us. And I took a chance and just texted you and you phoned me back and that was awesome. Or you texted me back. So thank you for that. Uh, I have been already filling people in on what we're going to be talking about today. Do you want to just take a minute or as long as you'd like to? Uh, talk about yourself and anything that you want people to know? Well, sure. I mean, I'm happy to, to join in with you today and, and talk about whatever you've got on your mind uh, regarding the law, regarding justice, uh, how it relates to the Bible. Um, we can talk about some of my journey in getting there. Um, for me, I 
probably like like you said, most people don't have a burning interest in, you know, just I really want to go to that law library and find me some boring book to look through. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not the first thing on people's agenda, and it wasn't online. Um, but as time goes on, you find out that this system, it's called justice, or justice system, doesn't necessarily treat people right. And once you've gotten slapped around a little bit, you figure, well, I've got to go and read some things. I've got to understand this system better so that I can not let it continue to abuse my family. And that's pretty much what happened with me. Very good. Yes. Uh, so for those who don't know, Brett is the co-host of Rule of Law Radio with Randy Kelton. That's where I've heard him. And um, so people can hear you. They're saying it's a little tinny. I could try a Bluetooth speaker. Do you think it's worth it to try to set that up? Sure. Okay, let me do that. So give. Yeah, so I'm still with you, but I'm um, if if you want to keep talking, I've got it close to the mic and I'll be right back. My thought process here is whatever we can do to reflect the nature and the character of the Most High in this world, um, to bring His justice into what's the status quo here. We've got we've got a justice system, but it's a really poor implementation. It's a poor reflection, and to the extent that I'm able to reflect his nature, the nature of our creator in this world, I think we're going to see more justice. We're going to see uh, a better implementation of what's already there. It's written into our laws. Some people are frustrated with our system and they say, well, we just need to throw the whole thing out. And, you know, I'm not opposed to that, but we have things written pretty well in our laws. It's just that our public officials don't tend to follow that. If you look at what they're doing, oh, this is how we do things around here. It doesn't line up with what's written. And so, you know, one approach would be to, yeah, full-on revolution, throw the whole thing out and start all over. But another approach, the approach that I'm taking right now is to hold our public servants. We are the masters, we are the servants. Hold them accountable to follow the law. So, so yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's I'll beautiful. Just tell you a little bit about. Sorry? That's beautiful, Brett. It, the the Bluetooth is not going to work, unfortunately. It's not picking up from the phone. I don't know why that is, but uh, I think we can just we can just uh, confidently go ahead as we are. Thank you for thank you for that. Okay. I don't mean to put you on the hook there, but uh, luckily you were co-host on the radio, so you might be used to doing a little troubleshooting. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's always some kind of surprise, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. So, um, yeah, nobody wants to just go study the law. I, I actually feel like a real exception in, in my world because I started studying uh, at least a year before there was any line in the sand for me personally, but I could see where things were headed. And I, yes. you know, and I, I actually really severely resented having to do it. Like you said, you know, you're 
it's the dusty books and the soulless facts and this, you know, the, uh, not to mention the whole side, but why don't we, why don't we actually start with that about, uh, you know, the way that people have really got sucked into the free man on the land kind of movements and uh, chirping about the birth certificate and getting themselves here in Canada, you actually get yourself into a pseudo legal track if you start to talk what they consider to be that gobbledygook. So it really bears repeating if you want to just talk about that first. Yeah, sure. It's uncommon. It's uh, unfortunately very common for people to not really know what to do with the legal system. But then when something bad starts happening, they run to the internet, they download some garbage that won't get them anywhere. And they try throwing that into the court system, or they try to write up some kind of affidavit to correct their status. And then hopefully that'll make all the bad guys go away. Well, it doesn't make the bad guys go away. It just, uh, unfortunately, you know, I hate to put everything in a big category like that and just generalize that there's, I don't mean that there's nothing true about any of it. There's a little thread of truth in most of it. And and yet, people are not going to get traction that way. They're putting, they're using the wrong tools in the wrong places. And they've got leverage backwards. They're trying to twist the tool in the wrong direction. Everything's inappropriate about whatever they just ran and grabbed off the internet. So they go and try to throw it in the court case and... Unfortunately, instead of making the bad guys go away, it makes them bolder. It will embolden the oppressor because he sees that you don't know what you're doing. He sees that he can get away with whatever he wants to do. He and the judge are on the same side. They've got their rules, and fortunately, he can tell that you don't know how to hold him accountable. So he's going to feel confident in steamrolling over you and hurting you, and he's going to get rich at your expense. Unfortunately, that's that's the way that works. Got it. Yes, exactly. And uh, and so a lot of people in that world also feel like uh, judges, lawyers, the courts—they're all inherently corrupt. They're all, you know, out to get you. It's all an evil situation. From you know, the, they actually call it the devil's playground. When I started looking into court process and covering people on that subject, like Dr. Graves and and Alphonse. Uh, I was totally called out by that side and, and completely rejected, actually interesting, uh, because it was, you know, sort of like against the Christian faith that, that I would uh, even look into that. Do you want to speak about that at all? Against the Christian faith? Yeah. Oh, do you mean, do you mean how respect the king, honor the king, um, give to Caesar what Caesar's, those kinds of things? Yes, actually, I believe that's that's the thread. You know, woe unto you, oh lawyers, and oh yeah. <laughs> not only do you not enter in yourselves, but you impede others from entering. And yeah, there there is a, a thread throughout that that speaks to that. Um, the the issues that are surrounding give to Caesar what Caesar's and the issues around um, respecting the authorities, we probably ought to take into account that 
in this particular um, situation here, where we the people have created government, the government has authority over what the government creates. The government has authorized various fictions to exist and operate uh, with licenses and regulations, but they didn't create us. You and I were not created by the government. <laughs> we the people are the creator. We are the authority over that pile of administrators that we hired. So I don't look at that as being in conflict with Christian faith or with anything about the Bible. Uh, I see it now as who created whom? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we've got the Most High created me and created you, Beth. Right. We turned around and created these roles, these dotted lines, and we offered for somebody to step in and fill that role. Yes, it's a man or a woman who was also created by God, but this, this person who steps into the role puts on a hat of an administrator of some kind, and now they are going to uh, administer our records, administer the creation and oversight of corporations, and those things are not uh, able to turn around and control the government any more than the government is able to turn around and control me or any more than I am able to turn around and control the Almighty. Right, right. Does that make sense? It really does. Yeah, he, he who creates controls, right? So you, you right. Uh, we have a couple of uh, documents that there's a lot of controversy around right now in Canada. The uh, Canadian Bill of Rights, actually there's no controversy around that, but it's the Canadian Charter of Rights that uh, is being pretty psyoped against us. And and yet it's still, even though it it um, appears to give rights and appears to be able to take rights under the right circumstances, it's still in the preamble mentions the supremacy of God. So even though that that document it has a lot of flaws, that very first thing actually makes it in our favor, regardless. Mm. But uh, right. they, yeah, but they don't they don't want to uh, let us know that because most people, I don't know if, if most people, but they they really have forgotten about God. And especially, you know, what I notice is that as soon as they're afraid, then they forget about God, and that should be the time when you run to God. That was the effect that it had on me anyway. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, when we are in a situation that we can't see our way out of, it, it finally does <laughs> jump to our mind to cry out. Mm-hmm. And that, in my, in my experience, crying out has become a theme. Not just crying out for justice or crying out for peace or seek peace and pursue it. The crying out has to be to someone. (laughs) So we cry out to him. He's the one that our, our hearts just um, naturally turn to when we've exhausted all of our, all of our other efforts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, um, it reminds me also of how, the word call has been inverted that 
that, um, you know, we're forever calling, say, to the government, to the police. Now, it's not wrong, but but if you get more into the esoteric side of that, that we're busy calling everything but God. And what I noticed the effect of that over some years was that it left some gaping holes for all the wrong energy to come into my world. And and when I turned it around and I really call on nothing but God, and I remember that God is calling me, much more important, God is calling me. That's to me where things got flipped. Yes. yes. That oh. is exactly right. Hmm. Hmm. So glad. So our hearts are responding to him, to understanding that he is the solution in this confusing moment that we're in. Indeed, right. indeed. Yes, it's uh, safe to call it the wilderness, do you think? Yes. Something very interesting about that word. Mm-hmm. In Hebrew, the word wilderness is the place of the speaking. Ooh. And we tend to not really like the wilderness. It's uncomfortable, it's hot, It's uh, everything's uh, difficult. Yeah. And yet... That is the place of the speaking in the bar. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of the position of hearing his speaking and for him to hear our speaking. <laughs> right? So uh, there's, there's something redemptive about that when you're in that moment. That's so beautiful. Wow, what a great nugget. Amazing. So good. And so since we're on that theme already, you've shared some beautiful verses uh, in addition to the Isaiah, what was it, 117. Uh, so from Micah 6, 8, he has shown you, O mankind, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Do you want to speak about what that means for you? I have no problem. accomplishments of 
of men, all right, and women. So then it comes into a theme in the middle of, oh, but where's wisdom? Where's understanding? Where do we get that? We can mine for gold and diamonds and everything, but what about wisdom? Where's understanding? Mm-hmm. And, well, we look in the ocean. The ocean says, nope, I don't have you. Never heard of that. And, and at the very end, last verse, and here we have the most high telling us exactly what's going on. He says, behold, the fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. And to turn away from evil, that's understanding. So when I, when I see these other um, situations all around me, and we need wisdom to deal with that. Well, what is wisdom? <sighs> fear of the Lord. And that's, you know, not being scared, that's reverence. I imagine your listeners know this, but that is, uh, that's wisdom. Mm-hmm. And to turn away from evil, that's understanding. This is the basic building blocks of how we can approach all of these situations. Yeah. Amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it's a great distinction because when I first heard that, uh, you know, I'm, I, as we talked in private, I'm as if new to the Bible, even though I read it all when I was a child. But when, when I heard about fearing the Lord, th- this was like, huh, that makes no sense to me because to me fear. And, and of course, because, you know, the Bible says fear not so many times, at least a hundred or more. Some people say 365 and I couldn't find that number, but it's, it's like you say, it's the reverence. It's the, it's the um, the humility that that comes from when you when you connect to God in in all of the greatness. It doesn't make you think you're so hot. It makes you. It really is humbling. It's like and and in the most beautiful way. Also, what I've noticed is that the more I accomplish. Again, I would think, oh, well, I'm so great because I've done this. But it's 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 having this exact effect. It's it's bringing me to my knees, not not making me full of myself. It's emptying me. <laughs> yes, that's right. It is a humbling thing mm-hmm. recognizing who's whom. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, that's a great distinction. And is there anything more from Jeremiah 22, 15, 16? He administered justice and righteous, and so it went, well, it went well with him. He gave justice and help to the poor and needy, and everything went well for him. Isn't that what it means to know me, says the Lord? Yes. That is in the context of a king who was getting a reprimand. Okay. And... I thought that was a valuable nugget there because it's saying he administered justice and righteousness. So it went well with him. And that's something that all of the little K keys in the earth ought to recognize. It says he gave justice and help to the poor and needy. That's something not every king tends to think of, right? They, they try to expand their own reign and um, use up the little guy so that they can be bigger. Uh, But he says here, uh, speaking of 
uh, another two, he gave justice and help to the poor and needy, and everything went well for him. Isn't that what it means to know me, says the Lord? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I love that. Uh, also, yeah, just it speaks to his nature, the nature we're trying to reflect and kind of override the the little weak reflection that we see around us. That's called the justice system. We take that kind of justice, the nature of the Most High, and bring that to reflect into this this world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. When we were creating our, our documents, we had the guidance of somebody who was uh, deeply spiritual and very much into the Bible. And uh, he said, you're not writing these documents to these perpetrators. You're writing before God. And that really changed everything for me because then I'm not, I'm not head to head at war with these people. I actually wish the best for them. I hope they get redeemed. I hope they come around and uh, and join the the freedom team, <laughs> whatever it is we're on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but while you're hoping that, you have to also be ready to give them the spanking that they might be needing. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Wise you know? as serpents, right? Wise as serpents, gentle as the dove. Yes. And any loving father will be disciplining his children when they need it. Right. Not beating them up for the sake of beating them up, but when they need discipline, there's nothing else that you can put in that place. You can't just talk nice and, and expect that to affect a, a change in the behavior. There has to be some discipline. And that's we the people have created this government here. And when the government puts it, you know, starts to whatever, feel it votes and, you know, like a teenager that, that wants to act rebellious, when this government starts to bow up, and is not being respectful, doesn't respect its boundaries, um, starts acting out of um, yeah, out of bounds, well then discipline is in order. Um, right. I pause there because I was thinking about the, um, a friend of mine was bringing up something recently about power and authority. Our government operates in power it's like if you picture this teenager you know they're they're feeling their oats and they're starting to be rebellious and they're starting to whatever well are they strong sure but do they have authority well, they stepped away from authority right they're, they're <laughs> distancing themselves from the authority that they otherwise otherwise might have been able to operate in when they go against their parents in the same way our government distances itself from the authority that it otherwise had delegated to it when they step outside the lines. They go outside the boundary lines of what they are lawfully imposed duties that we've given them. Authority goes with those duties. When they step away from their duties, they don't have authority. They have abdicated their role and they have abandoned the delegated authority. And then they have nothing left but empty power. Yeah, they've got guns and badges. They can manhandle you into doing something, but they're without authority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Excellent point. Excellent point. And that's almost always the first question you're going to ask under, under whose authority are you charging me? There's actually a wonderful story recently in Canada, um, Rebecca Shepard, who has uh, done a lot of championing in, in the courts for not for Canadians overall. Actually, that's not true. They, they really is for Canadians overall. And uh, she had things turned around. They, they fake arrested her after she went on, on um, Parliament Hill with a sign that was, you know, you could say it, it was rude. I, I, do you mind if I swear, Brett? It's your show. It's my show. Yeah. So it it said fuck Trudeau. And you know, that that even might be a message that I that I might go a little sideways with because like, you know, why create create uh, controversy there? But she actually was doing it very specifically to make a point about free speech. And she had her megaphone and this sign. And uh and so they arrested her, but of course they had no authority, and she knew that. And she also had the means to turn around and because of the fake arrest and the, you know, the assault and the injury that came from it, then uh, she right away noticed that particular police officer for $35,000 and the next and, and was prepared to fully prepared to go to court. Absolutely no hesitation. And they realized, oops, we were picking on the wrong person here. The next day, you can now go on Parliament Hill with your megaphone and a sign that says anything. Like in one notice, uh, right? She turned it around. Yes. So that's, that's right. That's a pattern that we've seen. Uh, at first, they'll they'll fight you like a tiger, but then once you get past that first thing, they do not want to mess with you again. <laughs> exactly, and that yeah, we we all need to be a little more formidable. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, how does, I don't, <clears throat> I don't want to be a uh, pain here, but how does that mesh with, I was just reading in Deuteronomy, the uh, vengeance is mine uh, message, saith the Lord. So how do you, how do you see that? Obviously what you're doing in the courts or what you're helping people to do is not uh, vengeance, but how, how do you reconcile that if, if at all? Well, what comes to my mind about that is, if somebody were to, I don't know, heaven forbid, murder my mother or something, mm -hmm. I would have, um, in my heart, I would have a, a difficult um, choice to forgive that person. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a man or a woman who has wronged me. And they've, um, I, I have to leave that in my father's hands. Uh, this situation here, I'm looking at these, these uh, creations of government, these creations of ours, have stepped outside the lines and they need a spanking. This is not so much about me being vengeful or taking vengeance. I'm, they did this to me, so I'm going to go do that to them. I had... Um, a very uh, dramatic and thorough um, burglary happened where somebody, two people, came and took everything off of our land. I was in the process of building, I had gathered building materials, they took my dad's tools, they took everything. Hmm. 
Beth, I'm talking, they, they took my son's nightlight. They took half-burned candles. They took forks out of the drawer. They took the entire drawer. They took everything. There was nothing left. Wow. They took the air conditioner. They took the heater. I mean, they were extremely thorough. And I could see the tire tracks where they rolled a trailer in there. And <laughs> literally, this was very personal. This is not your average, oh, let's just take the items that are going to be able to, you know, we can take this to a pawn shop. No, this was extremely thorough. It was super personal. And I think I know who did it because I had just finished reporting a, a sheriff deputy for his crimes. And boom, immediately right after that, we have this, this happen. Ooh. So I have a challenge in my heart. Right. I don't really want to go and steal all of his stuff, but there is something in my heart that I have to address with my maker and make sure that my, my heart's in the right place when I report his crimes and he has more crimes that still need to be reported. So when I do that, it is, it's a heart issue for me to, to make sure my heart's in the right place. And I'm letting uh, him have a much better punishment than what little bit I could give him. Right, right, exactly. Wow. Yeah, because you're you're not right with God when you're allowing yourself to be victimized. Yeah, both are true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't leave you alone. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, I, I recently was, was about to buy a house and, and at the very last second, these, um, these uh, private guys who I don't think are bad at all, by the way, so this is not to call them out, but they pulled out a waiver saying that I would be 100% liable for all of their work. And I wanted to do it because I wanted the house, right? Like he who wants more loses. And, uh, and, and then, but my, it was my law friends that reminded me, uh, Beth, you can't be liable for something you didn't create. And, and I knew that that would just be, you know, trying to, I don't know, fake my way through this situation and maybe ended up end, ending up in, in a place that would be really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe we can jump in with some of the really specific things that we were talking about earlier on. And um, when it comes to, where should we start? Got a, a nice list here. So what about the distinctions that people tend to conflate? So the difference between uh, the variety of charging instruments, like notice to appear and summons and, uh, and this distinction, okay. yep. Yeah, them versus you yeah, is sure. not the same as you versus them.
whatever to whatever level you need to report something that the other person's wrongdoing doesn't get you off the hook. So yes, that is a big one. Them versus you is not the same thing as you versus them. But they are often they need to be happening in parallel. So while you're dealing with the accusation that has come against you, and I suggest that that be the priority, because you've got both things in parallel here, but I suggest that people keep a priority on getting yourself off the hook first, and then dealing with whatever needs to happen to hold the bad actors accountable. Once the pressure's off, then you can really address that a lot better, and and in a less emotional kind of a state as well. Right. Um, yeah, I think that would be the nature of a case. You know, we hear that people have a right to know the nature and the cause of whatever the case is. And that nature is like civil or criminal, or tax, family, whatever it's about. It might be about water code or copyright infringement. Those are the nature of the case. Most common would be civil and criminal. And generally people are um, being brought before a court to deal to answer for one of those kinds of things. It's civil or it's criminal. And lawyers will often like to try and tell you that um, if you're in a criminal case, then none of the civil rules apply. And that's not true. Everything is a subset of civil. So you've got rules. Generally, they're called the rules of civil procedure, and they'll be different for different jurisdictions. I don't know what you have in Canada, but if it's uh, one for uh, Ontario and one for Manitoba and one for Prince Edward Island, I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. Or they might have one that's for all of Canada. But you've got rules. Mm -hmm. And wherever the court is holding someone accountable, um, there are you can, you can fall back to those rules. And if it's a criminal matter, but... What you need is not specifically addressed in those criminal rules. You can fall back to the civil rules and find it there. It's all been well-defined in civil. Hmm. And then in these other subsets, like tax court or something, they might not talk about um, how to calculate time or how to file a motion or some of the basics that you, you still need to do those things. But it's not necessarily addressed in that detail in the subset of criminal or tax. And so if it isn't, then you fall back to the general, which is the civil. But if it is specified in, say, criminal, well, then that overrides the general. So I think that's, that's an important thing for people to try to get clear about. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've actually never come across that before. So that's really good to know They they seem like two completely separate categories. So I didn't realize that criminal came under civil law. So that, uh, that's, right. that's a good nugget. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because how else would you know how to calculate time, for example, if it says that you must do something, something within 10 days, or you have to give seven days notice before a hearing, or 45 days notice, how do you count that? Do you skip the holidays? Do you skip the weekends? Right. Does the first day count as day one, or is it day zero and then you count after that? 
those rules are defined in civil, not defined in criminal. Okay. Every right. once in a while, you'll find a very specific override for a specific situation. And then they'll say, oh, well, normally you're going to count it this way, but in this case, <laughs> it has to be calendar days, not business days, not whatever else you might imagine. It's calendar days, and it's 72 hours. It's not just, you know, three days and skip it if it lands on a Sunday. The rules are are there to, to support, like a foundation for all kinds of cases. Right, because otherwise you'd be lost in those weeds all the time with the ambiguities, right? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so this leads me to also, um, you know, no, realizing and hearing this recently that it's not who is right in the in the case who's been wronged, although it's that's usually got something on on both sides of the the uh, case as well. But it's it's who knows court process best wins. So, it, first of all, do you think this is true? Do you think it's right? And is it is it just a necessary evil? Probably you wouldn't say it that way. Well, I do think there is, um, unfortunately, more truth to that than there probably should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does make sense, if you think about it, that um, the first person to hear I bet you okay, they seem right until they get cross-examined by the other party, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a biblical concept is that you you hear one side of a story and it seems you're convinced when you first heard that, but you have to hear both sides. Well, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that that's such a big factor because most people don't know those rules. They don't understand what to do. And so then whoever stirred up the controversy, some lawyer who is very familiar with those rules, they end up with an advantage, probably an unfair advantage. Um, but it doesn't make sense because even in... I mean, just picture, you're starting fresh, you're, you're wiping the slate clean, there are no rules, and now you're going to build your own society, it's going to be the Beth Martin Society, and everybody's going to do things in a totally different way, we're not going to have all these rules anymore. There will be uh, an evolution of, here's how these matters have to be adjudicated. Mm-hmm. It just has to happen, there has to be some ground rules laid for here's how we communicate you can't just say well i served you notice didn't you see the sky rider last tuesday <laughs> no that's that's not service of process I, I i appreciate that you you had an airplane fly by and he wrote some letters in the sky apparently i didn't see it i wasn't there <laughs> there are certain ways that people need to get served and other ways are not considered service so that knife cuts both ways. When a lawyer tries to pretend like they served you and you go look at the rules and you find out that the lawyer did not follow the rules, I mean, he's going to be shocked that you went and actually read the rules. Right. And that's a beautiful thing because often they're breaking the rules. They're fudging left and right. They're, they're trying to push things through their way. And as soon as you go read the rules, you can 
you can wipe the floor with them. Right. Yeah, that was one of Dr. Graves' big uh, points is that the lawyers are not necessarily all corrupt, but they're lazy. And if they know you don't know the rules and you're likely not to look up the rules, then why do they need to actually follow them? Exactly. Yeah. So do like Dr. Graves says, go read the rules. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Especially if one of their documents references something as being legal authority, whether it's a rule or some case law or something, go read it. Go find it. Go look at it. They often misquote things. They often will just throw something in there that has maybe a similar keyword or phrase, and they throw it in without even reading it themselves. And sometimes you'll find that what they quoted is not on point. On point meaning uh, the, the case is similar in enough ways that you could use it as a reference point. And so it's not on point. Maybe it was talking, you're accused of something in um, in a traffic situation and this other person is uh, an already a convicted felon and so they had to do certain things this way in treatment of that case. And you can say, well, that's not on point. And when you highlight these discrepancies to the court, you know, the judge will give that attorney a hard time. <laughs> they don't like having bad law brought to the court. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, that would be downright embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, it's and, and call me crazy, but that's one of the, the fun parts about being in a courtroom and knowing who you are, and you've read the rules probably more than they have, and when you start to highlight some of these things, and they get embarrassed, and they get flustered, and they start whispering and trying to call somebody in for backup, and they go bringing books into the courtroom and flipping through things, and they can't find what you know off the top of your head. It's really satisfying to see their case falling apart, to see them so flustered with their inability to steamroll you into their evil plans that they have. <laughs> right on. That's amazing. Yeah, that's the, the meaning of victory right there. Uh, by the way, if I have any mods in the room, can you help me? I might have uh, a, a problem here with the last two comments that came up on YouTube. Uh, if you don't mind to keep an eye out that I got my hands a little full here, as you can see. But uh, hopefully that doesn't turn into anything. And so then let's talk about going on the offense in law. So, you know, what it's one thing to be accused and then you are having to defend yourself. But especially when it comes to, and, and this will maybe blend in, in um, you know, in terms of what legal issues you're able to help everybody with or anybody with, not everybody, uh, especially in the last couple of years when we've had all the infractions on the rights, but it's been highly controversial, oh, yeah. right? Highly controversial because you get the judge who drank the Kool-Aid and how is he possibly going to find for your rights in that case? Yeah, you have to take him to the code. He's not allowed to just rule on what he feels like. You have to take him to the code. If he finds in favor of someone who has not brought legal authority or who has only brought um, their feelings and their you know drama talk in place of legal authority then he's, he's not allowed to make a finding like that that would be called abuse of discretion that's supposed to get him yanked off the bench so he doesn't get to just do what he feels like he doesn't get to rule on 
what he thinks is right. He has one job. He has to take the evidence that comes to him, which gets filtered through the rules of evidence. Unfortunately, people don't really uh, go off on that tangent in a moment. He takes the evidence that comes to him, filtered through the rules of evidence, and go from applies the law to the evidence, to the facts. He can't just decide what he thinks is the better way. Now, a jury is different. A jury can take a look at that law and say, hmm, yeah, I don't think that's appropriate. I think this person should have a different kind of punishment, and they can set it out to what they think is right. So, depending on what's going on there, what, what kind of the nature of the accusation that you're, you're facing and the, the situation that you notice there, like with the judge, you mentioned a judge who drank the Kool-Aid. So there's a possibility that the, the jury drank the Kool-Aid. It depends on how you, what you're approaching and, <laughs> and what they look like. In some cases, it's better to have a jury trial. And in some cases, it's better to have a bench trial bench meaning let the judge decide because the judge has to rule by the code he gets no wiggle room and you get to hold him accountable he's going to probably try to do something else they seem to always have their own little agenda but you can just raise an exception to that and call him out for judicial error he's not allowed to bring his agenda to the to the gavel he has to only rule on the code Right, right. Yeah, great distinction there. And that's actually the mistake that we were making a lot, uh, maybe everywhere I was going to say in Canada, but, uh, you know, arguing the science. And when it comes to the science, they always have the more expensive uh, experts on their side. And, you know, you can, you can unfortunately prove anything, even though we, we thought we were so righteous with that. But what we really should have been arguing were the actual rights and the code and the, and the, you know, blasting through because here's here's an interesting thing Brett about our Canadian Charter of Rights that they have propagandized since 1982 or 83 I guess when it was created to overshadow uh, they hoped it would overshadow the Canadian Bill of Rights which rights which is very foolproof really based on the supremacy of God um, you know the right to assemble to speak to to uh, have bodily autonomy to have a uh, right to enjoy property all of that is so clear it's like they in 1960 saw this was going to happen again we saw it happen to my ancestors or our ancestors now we're they they foreshadowed this and it's it's foolproof so they came along in 19 i believe it 82 you guys or 83 they uh, added to the Constitution with a Canadian Charter, and it explicitly says that under the opinion, uh, if it's under their opinion that they can remove your rights, they will. So it's it's you know like you said that that's not the oh, judge's well, job. I know, I know exactly. People think you know they don't even think that the Canadian Bill of Rights is still in effect because the Charter came along, but this is actually a really beautiful uh, discovery on behalf of stand for the big shout out to the, the ladies over there. And well, Beth, I, I look at it the other way around. Okay. I look at it as these 
these uh, people who are atten- intending to assert some kind of authority, they have the burden of proof. Nice. Proof that such authority has been delegated to them. And it's not uh, this mindset that they can do whatever they want if they say so, that doesn't fly. They have to have a delegation of authority from the people. The people have to have given this to them. And if they can't find it in their document where we gave them that authority, they don't have it. They can't invent it. They don't have it. They're not going to get it. And, you know, constitutions and bill of rights, and uh, these are these are documents of limitation. They don't grant anything. They get they put limitations on our creation. Mm-hmm. We've created this government to do certain things, and we are going to provide um, rules and restrictions on that. Mm-hmm. They don't get to just make up whatever they say is right, and especially one person's opinion on whether they get to take rights away. No, they just don't have it. I know. So when you're talking about arguing the science, I completely agree with you. That was, uh, that's like when you need to, you need to take a tree down. That tree is dangerous. It's leaning over the road. Somebody could get killed. And you need to take that tree down. You don't go trimming a leaf off at the end and then trimming another leaf over here. You take an ax to the root of that thing. The whole tree needs to come down. That's, that's what I'm, uh, correlating in my mind to the assertion of their authority that they don't have. So it's not about whether or not you could convince one of them that it was a good idea or it might harm, do more harm than good or all of those things. They had no business even, even stretching out their hand to touch that right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's just such a great reminder, first of all, that the burden of proof is on them to show their authority. And and that's the part that's just so easy, because they've got the guns and the money and, the, you know, they don't mind using scare tactics like the fake arrest, right? They had no grounds for that arrest, but they did it anyway. And if, yeah. you, if you don't know, they don't have grounds. Well, I in certainly the hope that that lady is holding them accountable. Oh, yes, she is. Yeah. Yeah, they got to. We talked about going on the offense, right? Uh, so, what we do, it, I can tell you about America. I'm not really sure how accurately this translates to the Canadian world, but you can just uh, tell me what you know might be different. Um, sure. You're basically all of it is complaints to some extent. You're, you're making that complaint, so you have to say who, what, when, and where about the the perp, perpetrator mm-hmm. and it, everybody can be guilty on a criminal complaint you can use a criminal complaint to report any crime so i'm in texas we've got texas crimes and we've got america crimes you can go to the fed and report a federal crime or you can go to texas and report a texas crime so whatever they did wrong you need to go find where it's listed in the list of crimes. So I don't know if you have one per province list or if you've got a Canadian list, but that's where you would go and you would report that crime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have the criminal code, So federal. Criminal code, okay. Mm -hmm. So there's also um, 
in Texas, we have the Code of Criminal Procedure, and that tells so you've got the, the crimes themselves listed, but you've also got, here's how you handle the crimes. You give a complaint, it has to be notarized, it's sworn, it's, it's taking, give it to this person. And people need to follow those rules instead of a common way to do things is to, oh, just call the police, tell the police about it. But then what happens? If you can convince the police that they are going to believe you and they look at the name on there and it's not their chief or somebody else that you're trying to hold, it's, it's somebody that they don't mind going after, well, then maybe they'll go ahead and write up a complaint. Well, maybe they won't. They don't tend to like paperwork too much. It takes a lot of pushing to get them to be interested in doing paperwork. But if they do, the only thing that they're going to have is they're going to write a criminal complaint that you could have written and they're going to give it to somebody instead of you giving it to them. And theirs is going to be based on hearsay because they listened to you telling your story. Whereas yours would have been a lot stronger. It would have been based on personal firsthand experience. Right. So why not just write your own criminal complaint? Look a procedure for your area that tells how to deal with writing these criminal complaints and just follow that step by step. Give it to a magistrate or whoever it is that's supposed to handle it. Grand jury. Um, so that's that's crimes. That's a criminal complaint. Mm -hmm. uh, another parallel way to hold people accountable, go on the office, is called a bar grievance or a bar complaint. It is when you go to the bar these attorneys are have when they signed up, they went to law school and they, they signed up to follow all of these rules, rules of professional conduct, rules of basic ethics. And when you look at those rules, it will stand right out to you. Here's one that they broke. Oh man. Yeah. And he said, he emailed me and that was the day before he lied. This one stands out too. Oh, and he said that, and that was completely bogus. Oh, and he tried to obtain a waiver of my, important rights but it says right here he can't obtain a way he can't attempt to obtain a waiver of my rights well he violated that rule too so each one of those rules that were violated you report that to his uh you know it's basically it's the licensing people it's the ones who he has to respond to 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 uh to show that he was ethical and if he's not then he gets a report and he has to deal with that he has to answer to this committee about what he did wrong. Now, fortunately or unfortunately, they're not going to, <laughs> they're not generally going to act on your bar grievance. When you make a bar complaint, we just have to adjust our um, expectations. Same with the criminal complaint. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But adjusting expectations, you are going to have an effect. It's just not going to be the effect that one might automatically imagine. You might picture in your head, hey, I'm going to write this bar grievance. He violated rule 4.1. They're going to, you know, come and talk to him, and then I'm going to see his name pop up on the list of who got disciplined last month. Probably not. But what is going to happen, very predictably, is that this person who swore that he was going to follow those rules 
and got reported for not following one, now his insurance goes up. He has to pay higher premium because the, the insurance company is covering him for malpractice. And wow, if he violated that rule, he, he could get sued. So that's their excuse to raise his premium. He gets to pay another whatever, $20,000, $25,000. And ouch, that really hurts. <laughs> Which is very different from the the expectation we have of seeing his name pop up on a list. They're going to send you a letter back and say, uh, "Yeah, we've been we've uh, looked into your inquiry and we've dismissed it because it doesn't rise to the level of misconduct." Whatever. Don't worry about it. Don't feel discouraged. You've done your part. It had an effect. That that's good. So that's yeah. Criminal complaints, bar grievances, another similar one would be for judges. You have a judicial misconduct complaint. There's a committee that that takes reports. Their job is to to you know, triage when they get all these reports from people that say a judge did this or that to violate some canon of the code of judicial conduct. So you look through the code of judicial conduct. I know it's not something that people tend to typically think about. You've just been accused wrongly. You're feeling really bad about the way everything's going. And you don't necessarily think about this, but like I said, in the parallel track, you've got one track, which is them versus you. You're getting yourself off the hook, right? And this, all, this uh, parallel track over here is you're holding different actors accountable. If one of them is a judge, then the way you do that is a judicial misconduct complaint. Mm-hmm. And there's there's one for peace officers. Um, I don't know what you call them there in Canada. You have Same. Mounties. <clears throat> yeah, th- th- um, we've got mounted police. We've got uh, local civic police in every region as well. And um, some of them are... are uh, peace officers but it depends on how they're acting in that moment and that's one of the que- one of the pivotal questions are are you uh, a peace officer or are you um what's the other one i don't even remember right now okay what's your capacity maybe somebody in the chat can can tell me anyway go ahead cool so whichever capacity we're operating under is there's a certain list of rules that you can find that they are required to follow and a, a correlating agency or committee or review board or something that licenses them to do that. And when they don't, they get stung. So find those rules, locate, you know, align their behavior with which rule you, you realize that they broke and go to that reporting agency to, to tell them about it. Mm-hmm. They'll have a form for it, or they'll have a process which you're supposed to reach out via fax, or you know, they'll they'll have it set up for you. So you just find it and follow it. Same thing with a board of education or with a medical board. These people are licensed to do certain things. Which, again, remember that these are roles. These are created by the government. Government was created by us. So these rules apply to them. They can't just say, they can't come into the court and say, I'm a man on the land and all that. They, they are filling a role. <laughs> and they swore that they were going to follow this list of rules. So they have to follow that list of rules. They can't just go harming the people 
they have to follow those rules. If they don't, they get called out for it. Mm-hmm. They also have committed a crime. So then they, in their individual personal capacity, get a criminal complaint. Right. Exactly. Because that's the, the thing they're all hiding behind their titles and they think that their bonds and their insurance are going to cover them. But uh, that's not the case when you go after that living man or right. woman. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, and they mm-hmm. like to hide behind, they, they have this word they, they use often, it's called immunity. Right. Qualified immunity, judicial immunity. They think that they are not accountable. Right. So what you have to do to pierce that or to, to defeat that obstacle in holding them accountable, you have to show that their actions were not in scope. They have certain things that they're allowed to do, and when they act outside of their authority, we're back to authority and power, they're in pure power and no authority. When they, when they act outside of the dotted lines that we the people have set up for them to fill this role, when they step outside of that and they commit a crime, Crimes are never in scope. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It should go without saying. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. So I'd love to go on and talk about uh, discovery, how to get there sooner through your pleadings. But there is something that in uh, somebody in the chat that I've been noticing, and and I'm not sure if uh, we can help at all at this stage, or you can help at all is a better way to say that. But uh, in the case that somebody's been injured and then the doctors are telling him he's okay, but he's not okay, how would you begin to approach that from a, a legal perspective? Because pain is subjective, right? How, how are you supposed to prove you're in pain? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, let's back to personal, uh, to firsthand personal experience. Uh, a doctor has opinion and it's a valuable opinion for some things but when it comes to how is this person feeling he can't speak to that he has zero knowledge the person who's in pain is the only one who can make that assertion and nobody can rebut it it can't be challenged because if it were in a case that an ongoing case that I'm, I would be dealing with, I'd put an affidavit into the record and I would say that I'm in pain. Right. Describe the pain if necessary, whatever, and say I'm not fine. I'm in pain. And that affidavit goes in as personal first-hand experience. And when you swear an affidavit, you put it into the record, it is uh, it's a solid piece of evidence. Um, there's been some confusion lately about what an affidavit is and can do and, and what it's good for. An affidavit doesn't do anything. But it is a very solid piece of evidence that you can then reference in a motion, like a motion to dismiss this or that, or a motion to um, award certain damages, whatever it is that needs to happen, you're moving the court to do it, but you're using that affidavit as grounds for it mm-hmm. and you can incorporate those facts into your motion just make sure it's a sworn motion if you do that um, because the, the part that gives it the, the peak is being firsthand knowledge and being sworn and who swears so the saying, motion i promise under penalty of perjury this is the truth 
Right. And, and the motion, so you, you're, you're swearing that it's the truth in the affidavit and then you're swearing the motion as well. If you've got it already sworn on the affidavit, then you don't need to swear to the motion. The okay. motion is asking the court to do something, but the grounds you give need to be sworn mm-hmm. in order to make it, um, have that weight. And do you have any opinion on the swearing itself? There's There was some controversy around that that's actually not um, like right under the Christian faith to swear, say, on the Bible or swear to God. Do you have any take on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a provision for in-law for, for that. If that's a concern, then people can swear or affirm. Okay. You're just saying this is the truth. Right. Got it. Yeah. You're you're putting yourself on the line. If I say this is the truth and then you later find out it's not the truth, I subject myself to the possibility of going to jail for this. Right. It's that's how serious I am about telling you that this is the truth. Yeah. It is the truth. Right. So when people do that, whether it's swear or affirm, either way, people need to be very mindful about how they word things on there because if a lawyer can pick apart your language and you've said things that are conclusive in nature, you've said that, well, this man unlawfully did this and that. Well, if you put in there that he did it unlawfully and then it comes out later that through some maybe improperly written law, he did have that authority granted to him, or maybe there was just a, a misunderstanding about something and it turns out to be that unlawfully wasn't true. You just perjured yourself. Instead, stick to the facts. No conclusions, stick to the facts. And it's okay to quote some legal authority to say, if you want to say that it was unlawful, put the law in there. <laughs> right. Texas Penal Code 32.48 says, quote, put that in there. Because it really does say that. And what is, it's easy for the person that's feeling the the weight of the wrongdoing to jump to conclusions and to call things in uh, conclusive terms. It's very easy. It's natural to do. It's it's a challenge to not do that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. instead, it's good to give a fact that led you to that conclusion and let the reader come to that same conclusion on their own. Right. Right. <clears throat> and, and you implied this before, or actually you said it outright before now you're implying it as well. When you said it's tempting to do that, that's because of the emotion, right? Because you've, you feel victimized, you feel wronged and, and you have, you know, you got, maybe you're angry and you're afraid. And I just want to say, this is, this is one vision because I am, you know, a, a beginner at law after two years, still, still a beginner. Uh, I have a strong will to bring the community together so that people can learn and get access to the best resources. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy for all my friends that know the law now. And there's lots of collaboration happening in the back end and, and all of this kind of thing. But the where I see myself contributing is in this realm, because when you're seeing through anger or fear or any range of emotion that is inevitable when things happen to you, when you're outright perpetrated, then uh, 
I have a secret weapon on that one. So it's, uh, you, you literally don't know what reality is until you remove the emotion and people's tendency is to rise above the emotion. That's actually a pretty uh, common King hero thing to do, but you can still leave that emotion all intact and the programming underneath that holds it. So this is, I just wanted to say this out loud that I, I definitely see myself contributing. We, we've run one course uh, in, in that realm on God's law and, and the archetypes that tend to, threaten our basic life or we feel like that we're being threatened in them. So anyway, I just needed to let you know that since you guys or you and I are just getting to know each other. Yeah. When, when you're trying to deal with these emotions, it's very difficult to put your documents together. And you know, there's one document that is helpful to try to put together is a timeline that helps the, the person who's asking for help to get help. And it, uh, it helps them as they're processing. And it also helps the one who wants to help them to look at the timeline because, you know, there's, everybody's got so many different situations. And that's one way to, uh, to effectively communicate, get somebody up to speed, what's going on, where things are at now. And, the person helping will see patterns in there that maybe the person writing things down didn't think about. Um, but the emotions all in the middle of it tend to fade away when you're thinking in terms of timeline. Right. The emotions, uh, if you're telling a story, the emotions naturally flow into it. But if you're writing a timeline, it looks more like bullet points with a date and time on the different things that happened just the facts and it has who did it which what happened this is when sheriff so-and-so showed up at the property this is when and each little detail comes out as a simple bullet point fact and it's easier to handle things like that it's easier to just logistically you're talking about dealing with these emotions and that's that's one way that helps to not have emotions in the way Excellent. And are there other ways that... Which, oh, go ahead. That just kind of segues for me, segues into how to ask for help. Excellent. That's what I was uh, going to ask. You were talking earlier about uh, helping people on the air, and, and now we're talking about this person who has just written in, and they have an issue about the doctor says they're fine, but they know they're not fine. Well... There's only so much that I can offer in that situation because I don't see much of the situation. I've only said a tiny bit. And I offer this suggestion about an affidavit because that's pretty universal. However, I don't know if they're in the case or if they're considering suing this doctor or if the doctor has sued them or if their company sued them because of something they didn't do. There's a lot of uh, possibilities there. And so the person who is going to help you needs some context. It doesn't have to be a lot. It, there's no need for a novel. I like to say that succinctness is next to cleanliness and godliness. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it really helps if somebody can, can keep things small. Otherwise, uh, I, I see a wall of text, and I know that somewhere in the middle, somebody needs help with something. Yeah, it's just, it's daunting. 
So if I see something that is succinct, it tells me who, what, when, where. That is really helpful for me to help them or anybody, you know, to help them. Yeah, I actually, um, I really want to. I was just going to say, I really want to emphasize this point because people reach out to me all the time too. And if you write me a book with my best intention, I want to come back to it, but I'm going to have to need time for your whole book. And if you write me a book, make headings <laughs> so I, I can at least skim through and get something right away. And, um, uh oh, sorry, hold on a second. Somebody's calling me. Uh, hold on, accept decline. Decline it is. There you go. Oh, sorry about that, Brett. Somebody called in. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's this is really important. And there was a fellow that I finally said to him, like, listen, if you make your messages small and pithy, I many of you probably know I respond if it's if I can understand it right away and I know what you're asking me for, I will help you pretty much immediately. That's I'm I'm a fast one. I know if I don't deal with it right away, it'll get lost somewhere. But, uh, but yeah, if you can contain yourself and, um, you know, put your thoughts down in a really succinct way, then your, your likelihood of someone helping you goes way down. Yes, that's right. So, so we have the who, what, when, and where. It's, it's helpful to know uh, a first name, at least, uh, is it about yourself? Are you... You know, is this, uh, you're asking something for your neighbor or your nephew, or is it for your husband? It's helpful to have a little bit of context there so that we can say, okay, this is what you need to tell him to do. Or can he, can you get him to get on Telegram and talk about it or, or whatever? But the who helps like this and it helps to know who is the opposing party. Are you, your, is your opposing party a hospital? that's a fiction is your opposing party some lawyer that's telling you that you need to pay a debt and you've never heard of this lawyer before who, who are we dealing with here who are you and who are they because a lot of times people just come and they start talking about they this and they that and it's a big ethereal cloud of evildoers that maybe it's government and maybe it's the UN and their secret agendas and maybe it's uh, Bill Gates and uh, mm -hmm. well, who, who exactly is they? Somebody's doing something to you. Who is it? Or you're you're taking somebody to court? What's going on? Who's the specific? There's a man or a woman involved, right? So that helps to to know uh, who, what, when, and where. Uh, what would be like the nature and cause? Is this a criminal matter? Is this a you know? <laughs> what will happen if you don't do anything? What outcome are you seeking? What have you done so far? These will give valuable context so that somebody who's just stepping into this situation, beginning to look around and seeing what kind of help you need, will already have a have some context. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and may I emphasize also the outcome that you're looking for? This is the thing I saw a discussion on right. the. A uh, very smart question from, I'll just shout out to Chirasan, one of my uh, admins there. And it was the first question he asked him, what, like, wh how do you want things to turn out? And he's like, oh, do I need to decide that? And it's like, well, how do you expect things to go if you don't even have an outcome in mind? Exactly. That's so true. It's, it's not just about batting around with whatever the, 
you've been presented with and, and it feels wrong, so I'm just going to knee-jerk to do something, you have to know where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. Kind of an outcome, that's right. Mm-hmm. And it's actually... The- and what will happen if you... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it's 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 a difficult labor, right, to actually see the outcome because then you have to go through all the the maybe you know internal things of like, well, you know, what what could I do? What am I prepared to do? Maybe I'm not actually that serious. What do I have inside me? Am I willing to go the distance? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Some people will recognize when faced with that question will recognize that they don't really care that much. It's going to be a hassle. They're going to have to deal with this for a long time and going to involve a whole lot of paperwork. And, uh, yeah, I actually don't care enough to do this. I think I'd rather just take a shortcut, pay this and be done or <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It was said to me by a lawyer some time ago that, uh, the legal system is a drip system or justice is a drip process. And, you know, you can see people go through 10, 11 or more years of litigation and then they lose. And even though they were willing to go the distance, uh, you know, so that's something I don't I don't like to argue against court process. That's not definitely not what we're here to do. But is there are there ways to expedite? Uh, we were going to talk about discovery, that it's good to get to discovery fast. So how do you create speed in this whole process? Well, if you are the person who is being accused, then you have a right to a speedy trial. Mm-hmm. If you are, um, if you are the one who is, let's say you're responding in some sort of a civil matter, you don't have that right. It might take a very long time. So it depends. If you're in, if you have a speedy right, a speedy trial right, then you can have a case dismissed case against you can be dismissed for lack of a speedy trial. Uh. That's as simple as filing a motion saying here are the facts on this date. They started trouble. (laughs) On this date, it's still not handled. And I have not introduced anything from my side. No delays have come from me. All of the delays have come from them. The law says this many um, days or months or whatever your local uh, code says. And that's, we've passed that, so I'm going to this court to dismiss the case. Right. And somebody, Stuart, said in the chat, define speedy, but I imagine that would be in all of the uh, rules of civil procedure, correct? Yes, in criminal. So there are, speedy trial is something that is a fuzzy line. There's, it's not going to be an exact amount. But as you can see from the way rulings have been handed down in the area where you are. So when I say area, I mean like um, in the jurisdiction, in the, there's a line, a chain of command sort of that, that goes up from uh, the court that you're in and draw a dotted line up to that court that would be next if you have to appeal your case and then draw a dotted line from there up to the court above that if you have to appeal and so forth until you, your line is complete. All of the cases that have come from those courts above are considered controlling cases. So look in there and see when they have ruled that speedy trial was or was not appropriate. Mostly you'll find that it's around four months. Uh, if somebody hasn't had any, um, uh, 
haven't got to a resolution within four months. There's been delays from the other side and no delays from your side. Then you'll, you'll find that probably your your uh, your local controlling cases are going to call that a lack of a speedy trial, and they'll give you the dismissal. There are some situations where, and again, this is back to the general versus specific. If your case falls into the category of something that's more specific that says 180 days, okay, well then now you've got it. You know that for your particular situation, it's 180 days. So then on day 181, you go in there with a motion to dismiss, and it's it's a hard, firm line. Right. But if you're not in that same kind of a case, then you have to go fall back to the more general, which it hasn't been codified into the Constitution or in, in, at a high level of what is considered speedy. So you have to just get to find it or <laughs> maybe in the process of demanding it, you, you lay out facts that makes any reader look at that and go, wow, yeah, this is definitely taking too long. There's a fellow I know in, in California, he's been dragged through seven years of cases, uh, one case, but seven years of hearings. Um, I forget, 150 hearings and, and well, he's still not through it yet. So, yeah. yeah. Anybody, if you would put these facts down and present them, anybody can look at that and say, yeah, that's inappropriate. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, so discovery is something that you want to get to because all of your tools are there. Let's see how many I could remember. Uh, interrogatories, you got um, notice to if I'm getting these right, notice to admit, uh, notice to produce. Uh, yeah, that's all off the top of my head. That's all I got. What, what else do you have? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, you got disclosure. Disclosure. Production. Yeah, you said produce. There's a deposition. Oh, right. Um, Witnesses, got, right. Mm -hmm. And you've got, like you said, interrogatories. Uh, some places call it letters of derogatory. Um, and admissions is a very valuable one. Uh, they're all valuable, but yes, discovery is the way that you get evidence to win your case. Right. Discovery is contrasted with records requests. Discovery is only available while you're in the case. Records requests you can get before, during, and after. But the during is limited to whatever you can obtain via discovery. So while you're in a case, if there's something that you otherwise would uh, get via records request, but now you're in the case, now you need to get it via discovery. So that, that could cover the production of certain records, say production, um, and to some extent might be disclosure. But you've also got um, oh, I love admissions. Admissions are the best. I love those too. <laughs> you are putting some statements of fact out there that if you craft it well, you think through this, you sit and you ponder and you write this statement. Each one is, is like a nuclear bomb. Each one of these is going to be crafted so that it's totally true. They can't deny it. But if they admit it, their case is destroyed. Right. 
So you write those, you write admissions like that. And I like to put, uh, to save some. You're going to have a limit of how many admissions you can, a total number of admissions that you can request. Mm-hmm. You can just churn out as many as you want. Uh, some of these lawyers that try to abuse discovery, I can't just keep throwing more statements for you to admit in the record uh, or, or to add you. Um, there's a limit. So depending on the kind of case, you might have 15 total, 25, 20, it depends. You have to look at the case, look at the, the nature of the case, and what do the rules say about that particular kind of uh, case. So let's say I'm dealing with one that allows 15. I'm going to send maybe three up front that, well, anywhere, let's say I could be maybe between three and 12. I want to save for later at least three, but as many as I can. So I'm going to throw some in there that will just destroy their case. And then I'm going to turn right around and I'm going to ask them to produce a bunch of things, uh, give them a few interrogatories. Interrogatories and admissions are slightly different. Um, but I'm going to just strategically, I'm going to throw those admissions into the hopper and then turn around and I'm going to start asking them for a lot of other stuff. They're going to get busy doing the other stuff and arguing about it and objecting to it and whatever. Meanwhile, admissions have a clock ticking. Right. And you check your local rules, it might be 30 days, and usually is. If they don't answer in 30 days, they are admitted. Those statements are deemed admitted and they can't argue otherwise. Right. <laughs> so so yeah. you don't ever want to compel cooperation when they ignore your admissions, just leave them picking. Got it. But if they ignore your other things, your request for production, for disclosure, you're sending them interrogatories, and they don't completely cooperate with that, then go to the court and file a motion to compel cooperation with discovery. Right. And talk about this. I sent them five interrogatories on March 31st, and they still haven't answered. Right. Your Honor, will you please compel them to cooperate with discovery? And he's going to look at, you send a copy of whatever it is that you're asking them for, and he's going to say, well, that's perfectly reasonable. It looks like it's uh, reasonably calculated to produce admissible evidence, all right? Yep, you're going to have to cooperate to get them the, the discovery they're asking for. And meanwhile, your admissions are over there just... Okay. And then when 30 days comes up, they can't argue those issues. Okay. Fabulous distinction. That's great. Yeah. Good to know. I think there, things might be a little different in Canada because I heard somebody working with the notice to admit and, um, and then things were not automatically, because that, that was our understanding as well from Graves course that things would automatically become fact in the case, but uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the case for this one particular fellow, but I can't speak across the board, of course. Not in Canada or not in what, Manitoba or, or how, which rules were we looking at to determine that? Yeah, great question. I don't have any who, what, where 
it, it, it will be somewhere in Canada. I'm very vague. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we can we, we can narrow that down and we can figure out that fine point, just uh, finding the rule that, that goes along with that. Right, right, exactly. So you can take a look at the Texas Rules of Civil Procedure. I believe it's 198.2 that talks about that, and you might find some similar language that you can search for in your um, Canadian rules. Okay, great tip. I will pass that along. And what about records requests? Anything that uh, will make them be transparent to us that you can recommend? Yes. Records requests are are much broader than discovery in, in that you don't have to be in a case for this. It's You just want your, your public servants to be transparent with you. And there's a little bit of gray area when you've just been accused of doing something and you need to ask for some records of something. I always try with records requests first because, well, they haven't really commenced their case. They're still trying to get their act together and don't even have a case number or whatever. So, so they, uh, so I'll start with records requests. But records requests can be about anything. It doesn't have to be a controversy. You could be trying to find out uh, which of the council members voted to and to tear down that bridge at the end of the street. And you want to know who seconded that motion. That's not really, you're not suing anybody. You just want to know how people voted. You weren't at that council meeting and you want to know. Uh, or you want to know how much money did our, my province spend on this Save the Bears effort that they were talking about. They had posters up all over town about Save the Bears. How much did they spend on that? Right. And you want to know how many bears were saved. Well, <laughs> that's totally within your rights to find out about that. You get to ask them to be uh, transparent with you. And so you always go to the head honcho. There's somebody who is in charge. And that's who you're going to go to. It'll be the elected official the appointed official, or in some cases, if there's neither of those, then you'll be looking at the head of a department, like director or something, over a, over a whole department. So you're looking for top dog here. You, you don't ask questions. Instead, you think about what records are going to answer your questions. So if you're wanting to know how much money was spent on saving the bears, you're not going to just ask that question raw like that. You're going to ask for any records which would show the amount of money that was spent on saving bears. Or you're going to ask to see the, the budget that was the actual budget versus the approved budget. You want to see these numbers. I want to see the budget. Show me the report that you sent. Hey, think about which records it's going to be and just ask for those records. And you don't ask for them to create records for you, like give me a list of this or a chart of that, but just think about the content. And the leading people are probably going to have to put two and two together on our own. We ask for the records and think about the content, right? Think about the records that will contain that content, and then we will come to our own conclusions and make our own charts. 
Right, right, excellent. Yes, it does. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, so, so your public servants are keeping your records. They're, right. They mm-hmm. have all these records that they're they're handling all the time. That's not their records. They might tend to think of it as their records because they created them, but they created them in that role that you hired them to fill. Right. Right, exactly. You hired them for a purpose. Yeah. And they're keeping your records. You absolutely get to see them. It's one of the hallmarks of the public domain are are the records and the accounting and the uh, you know the facts of the matter that uh, one of the distinctions I'm learning to make between the public and the private, which we won't go into much today, but uh, it's you know one has capacity for immense organic understanding and playing out of events like in the in the public things things are are already willed to grow and develop and they often do like you were saying earlier about clear boundaries actually which i'm going to be doing a whole podcast on pretty soon uh speaking about privacy and boundaries and all of those kind of things that uh, you know, you said it in different words, but the ounce of preframe, knowing the rules, the rules are good because then we can have common understanding in an inorganic realm that is public, that happens mechanically. Like in court, you know, if you don't do things, nothing happens by itself. It's not just because you did an affidavit, right? Whereas in the in the private, I think there's much more um, room for that. And even in the, you know, the, the private, um, di- say, to solving, uh, solving disputes and all of that kind of thing can be done by tribunal, which, again, is much more organic in your choice. It's not all set out completely. It's like, do we need one person or do we need five people or do we need the whole membership to come together and, and decide on something? Uh, but the public needs these kinds of of very explicit things. And it's, it's exactly the, the FOIA request scene lady in the chat reminded me, or I was thinking about that already about that, uh, you know, they, they could prove through more than a hundred FOIA requests that the, the boogeyman virus has never been isolated just by saying, may I please have the record of, of isolation. And they're like, Nope, doesn't exist. Exactly. Right. So simple. Yeah. Yeah. So both can, can work to our advantage. And uh, so I think we're coming down to our last minutes here and uh, this phone is heating up and, and uh, I will, but I'm so, so interested in what you're working on for children and homeschoolers. Like you said at the beginning, if we all grew up with knowledge like this that you have and are helping people to get, then boy, this would have been a different pandemic altogether. Yes, I've put together some screencasts uh, that are, you know, purpose-specific. People need to know how to write a criminal complaint or something, but those are really more geared toward adults. What I'm working on uh, for classes and for a curriculum for homeschooled children are, are, like you said, let's start with the basics. Who owns whom? Who who created whom? There's a hierarchy like we were talking about earlier, and that's a basic understanding that I think being skipped. Um, what is liberty? What is property? We've got stewardship versus ownership. People and persons, fictional entities. These are things that I think children need to begin to understand earlier than later. Rights, responsibilities. 
delegation. What is delegation? What's representation? What are offices and duties and authority? So when people talk about rights, where do they come from? What rights do people have? And says whom? What can governments do? How does that get defined? I think these kinds of basics are, are going to be really helpful for as building blocks for an understanding of the next generation. Is any man or woman above the law? That's another one that I would like to highlight. Because you think about, yeah, well, if people are wearing a certain kind of uniform or they've got a certain, if they've got a gavel in their hand, then maybe they're above the law. Well, let's, let's look at that. Let's look at it. Maybe some basics of jurisdiction. Like you've got different kinds of jurisdiction, territorial, subject matter, personal, in rem, jurisdiction over the thing. And I think it's helpful for people to begin to understand. This is really not just children. Everybody needs to understand this. is a very common misunderstanding about jurisdiction. Yeah. Um, the branches of government. Of course, that's a different way. I'll, I'll be speaking to the American government, the branches. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure. Do you have grand juries in Canada? We do not, actually. That's that's one of the big distinctions uh, about uh, juries. I, I think there is the right to demand a jury under certain circumstances, but for the most part, we, we don't operate with juries here. Okay. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, in America we have... Uh, the three main branches are legislative, executive, and judicial. And so I'll I'll be teaching children about their purpose and kind of safety checks and balances, right? And we have this, what some people call, which is really just the genius awesome sauce that can (laughs) address issues in any of those others. Hey Brett, the phone um, the phone cut effectively. The phone cut out really briefly. Sorry? The phone cut out really briefly. Can you repeat that by any chance? Uh, sure. I was saying that we have the legislative branch, the executive, the judicial, and so I'll be talking about the, the purpose, safety checks and balances, and also in America we have grand juries, which some people call the fourth branch of government, and it's the the genius awesome sauce that we have at our disposal to address issues that we find in these other three branches. I love that awesome sauce. (laughs) That's so good. And how many adults are going to need that curriculum too? It's so good because, you know, it's easy to bypass, especially when you jump into say one of our groups and they're just off to the races and you've got like weeks and weeks and weeks of threads and, it, it can be tempting to bypass, or you don't even know you've bypassed some of those basic understandings. So, yeah, right. how, how valuable. Yeah, principles and agents. That's a basic thing that everybody needs to know. I'm, I'm starting with the children, but really, there are a lot of people that need that. Principles and agents. Just the concept of having, uh, when an agent does something to you, it's the principal who's responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, lawyers, attorneys, and counsel. Procedures, contracts. Yeah. I know there are a lot more topics that uh, are going to be valuable. Like you were talking earlier about PMA, Private Membership Association. 
Mm-hmm. And I just don't have, myself, I don't have experience yet in being able to teach that, but maybe at some point I would add a module like that. Um, I'm looking at right now just the modules that I am able to speak to and and uh, yeah, I'll have to find somebody to draw some cartoons to go with it. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, that'll be amazing. So great. Do a, uh, a graphic novel or something for kids. Yeah. I would totally help you get the word out about that. All right. Well, this has been amazing, Brett. Thank you so much. I knew it was going to be wonderful after our first phone call. Just uh, really love your energy. I love where you're coming from with all of this. The foundation is very powerful and strong. And I just want to say there's not anybody I've met in the law, in the law world that didn't have that spiritual foundation, uh, at least enough to to draw me in and give me a basis for listening to them and uh, and understanding myself who exactly I am in this in this process and what what truly gives authority. So, is there anything else that you'd like to share with people or uh, anywhere you'd like to direct them? Proverbs 22.15, it says, when justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. Boom. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Yeah, pretty, pretty beautifully laid out. That's one book you can't really bypass. That's one of the basics, eh? (laughs) Right. So much. So much good in there. Oh, well, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for making the time, especially when your hands are so, so full helping others. So, uh, you know, if you want to get help with Brett, go on ruleoflawradio.com and uh, follow those instructions, how to make yourself actually helpable. Because if you're not helpable, then it takes a lot more time and, uh, and you won't get the help as fast or as easily or maybe even at all. So to me, that's just yeah, a. Unfortunately, that happens. Right. I have my. I try to keep messages, unread messages, to a minimum, but it's it's starting to get out of control. <laughs> right, and the same thing happens to me. So you know, I'm not willfully ignoring people, but uh, when there's high volume, keep your messages short and and to the point, and and then you're much more likely to to get that uh, attention if you need it. So, um, well, this has been amazing. Thank you, Brett, once again for showing up. Uh, for those of you out there, oh, look, I forgot to put my ticker up. It's been one of those days. Everything went a little bit sideways. But uh, if you're looking for me and the work that I do to help people get past their uh, fears and the things that hold them back and the programs that lock in place the feelings that you don't want to be having, but that you are having, then feel free to join bethmartins.com. It's actually not a join yet. That's uh, on the horizon any minute. I will be inviting people to apply to be part of my PMA and uh, taking all of my work sooner or later into that private domain where God tells me it's going to be safe. And I believe that. Don't like to use the word safe anymore, but it still applies in in this realm. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for joining. It's wonderful. Thank you if you shared. It's not too late to put it out there and and get the word out there. I know that lots of people have joined the channel, but yet it is highly shadow banned. I often get told that they didn't get a notification they signed up for or they got unsubscribed after they subscribed even uh, two and three times in a row. So this has to happen. I know this has to happen organically uh, among us. And that's the beauty that it's growing anyway, despite that, right? (laughs) 
That'll show them. That'll show them, exactly. Oh, and thank you very much, Billington O'Bear. This is the link to my my Telegram chat. And you guys are on Telegram as well. I know that and I should know where to send them. But uh, do you want to, do you want to, if you have access to your Telegram, you could quickly drop me the link and I can share it with people as well. A link to what? To your Telegram group. Oh, I don't have a group on Telegram. No, not really. I mean, I've got one, maybe a dozen people just <laughs> talk about some nothing like this. No worries. So you, but you are, uh, you you take time on Alphonse's group and a few others. Is that where people are interacting with you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you'd like to send me an email from here, I'll give my email address. Would you want to do that? I Should could. I You're okay with that? Getting a whole bunch of emails? Sure. Okay. Yep, lay it on us. <laughs> Not going to change. <laughs> so, yeah. K like Kilo, H like Hotel, 205 at corruption.com. Ooh, I love your URL. So I'm just typing that with one finger here. Expose Legal Corruption. Tick. No would do that for me. I'm, a, I'm not a great one-headed typer. So it's uh, KH205 at ExposeLegalCorruption.com. And then I will put it up on the screen. That's how you reach Brett. And uh, do yes. do tune in. It's uh, it's Friday nights that you do your, your Rule of Law radio. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay, perfect. Good. We do Thursday nights and Friday nights. Oh, Thursday as well. We're both at 8 p.m. Central. Uh, Thursday nights we do a two-hour time period, and on Friday nights we go for four hours. Okay, yeah, that goes on and on. I know I'm still listening to one recording. I didn't get to the end of yet. So, uh, excellent. Good. Thank you so much for doing your work out there. It does my heart good to know about it. <laughs> Great. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'm going to sign off for now and we shall see you guys soon. I think the next time I'm going to be on the podcast is to talk about boundaries and privacy that are very common misunderstandings. What we end up doing is just hiding from each other. And uh, this is not useful because for the good ones, we need to find each other to work together on this project, very large project of freedom and uh, navigating the wilderness as you defined it today was very beautiful. All right, everyone, have a beautiful rest of your day, and I look forward to seeing you again. Bye for now. Thanks, Beth. Okay, thank you very much.